Now that's a road trip right there, right? I just want to welcome everybody. I'm so glad that you're here and that you're worshiping with us today. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. We're glad that you're here. also want to welcome our church in Ferndale as well. I actually got to go to Ferndale a couple of weeks ago on the long weekend. And my friends, I'm just going to tell you, we have a church in Ferndale. And they are doing an amazing job reaching their community. And... Uh, it was so encouraging just to go out and see what was going on out there. So Ferndale, we're glad that you're here. Welcome, and I want to welcome everybody here at the Bellingham campus as well. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. Maybe I said that already. I don't know. I'm the lead pastor, teaching pastor here, something like that. We started a brand new series last week called Road Trip. We're going to go on a spiritual road trip this summer at Christ the King. We're going to do some spiritual off-roading. We're, we're going to try and find some of those out-of-the-way locations where you can just kind of breathe and relax, where you can hear God's voice. We're going to meet some people who are on the same journey that we are currently taking, and hopefully we're going to find some joy on the journey as well. Last week I started talking about road trips, and, and people started sharing their stories with me as we kind of unrolled that idea. And I noticed something about the stories. They were either about these amazing once-in-a-lifetime road trips that just brought unbelievable memories into people's minds, or they were about a trip from hell. I mean, it was one of the two. It's either this was a trip from heaven or that was a trip from hell. I mean, one guy told me a story about he's driving down the interstate, his RV sewage tank ruptures right in front of a state trooper who was following him. He says, do you know what it's like to get a ticket from the cops and a fine from the Environmental Protection Agency at the same time? I mean, that's just nasty just thinking about it. I also heard another story about a couple from our church who took a spontaneous road trip and ended up going to every single state in the union before they came back home again. Now that is a substantial road trip. Last weekend, we introduced two guys from Scripture who took a spiritual road trip from very, very different angles. If you remember, Abram took his road trip from the perspective of instantaneous obedience, radical faith, unwavering trust. And then we contrasted his road trip with a guy by the name of Moses. We saw that Moses took a different trip. He went from the perspective of kind of grudging obedience, shaky faith, and, and, and wavering trust. And when we got to the end of the two journeys, we were kind of startled by the fact there was a truth that came out of them. One guy got where he was going, and the other guy did not. So I'm going to remind you about these spiritual mile markers from last week again. Obedience, trust, and faith. We're going to walk through a couple more of those uh, as we do this today, but just keep those words in your mind. Obedience, trust, and faith. Because I've been wondering about these mile markers all week long, and I started wondering, I wonder if Jesus had the same mile markers on his spiritual journey. If you read the New Testament, Jesus was on the road constantly, traveling, touching, healing people. He was never in one place for very, very long. I was wondering, how I'm thinking, how amazing would it be if Jesus gave an example of these same mile markers? Well, guess what? They're all there, every single one of them. Let's take a look at the spiritual road trip of Jesus. And if you're following along in your outline, I'll start with this first little phrase. It says his obedience accomplished the Father's plan. All throughout his ministry, Jesus talks about being obedient to his heavenly Father. 
He was here on a mission to accomplish the purpose and the plan of his father. And, and that purpose and plan was to rescue humanity from sin. In one instance, it's an amazing story. Jesus, as a younger man, actually goes missing for a couple of days. When his parents find him, he's teaching in a temple. And they have this interesting kind of a dilemma thing going on. Mom and dad are like, where were you? And their son, who's the God of the universe, asks them a question. Shouldn't I be about my father's business? Shouldn't I be obedient to what God has asked me to do? I've always wondered if Joseph and Mary grounded Jesus anyway. I've always wanted to know that. Someday I'm going to ask. Jesus was huge on obedience. Listen to John 15, 10. He says this, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. Jesus knew that complete and total obedience was the only way He would fully accomplish God's plan for His life, and it hasn't changed. Christ the King, Ferndale, you wake, Bellingham, you need to know. Complete and total obedience is the only way for you to accomplish God the Father's will, purpose, and plan in your life. That's it. So we find the, the, the obedience of Jesus. How about the faith of Jesus? Well, Scripture actually teaches us that His faith cost Him His own life. Jesus had faith in His Father's plan, even though that He knew that plan included His death and His crucifixion. Ultimately, his resurrection, but he had to go through death and crucifixion first. I mean, when you put your life into the hands of someone else, that's the ultimate act of faith. And Jesus did that. He did that. He put his faith in the Father. I have to ask this question. Have you done the same? Have you placed your faith? in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ who loved you enough to leave heaven and come to this earth to die for you so that you could be set free from sin. Listen to Jesus talk about the faith he has in his Father from John 10. The Bible says this. It says, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life. Stop there for a second. There's another word for that. It's called obedience. Jesus goes on and says, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, the authority to take it up again. That, my friends, is faith. And then he says this, this command I received from my Father. Have you placed as much faith in God the Father as Jesus placed in his Father? We've got obedience, we've got faith. Well, how about trust? Scripture teaches that his trust, Jesus' trust, secured our salvation. The trust of Jesus was put on glorious display in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus asks his dad a question. Dad, is there any other way for humanity to be saved other than me giving my life? And God the Father says to God the Son the answer that none of us want to hear. He says, no. Even Jesus got a no, brothers and sisters. Even Jesus got a no. And here's what's amazing. When Jesus got a no, his response was, well, then fine. Apparently, you just don't love me very much. His response was not, fine then. I'll just go and do it my own way. Uh-uh. No, his godly response is actually found in Luke twenty-two forty-two, where the Bible says this, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, 
but yours be done. Obedience, faith, and trust. Three important mile markers for anybody who's on a spiritual road trip. And this weekend, I'd like to add another mile marker. And I'm just going to come clean right from the beginning. I don't like this one. I don't like it because I don't do it very well. In fact, God has been confronting me about this one over and over and over again over the past three to six months. I put it under the heading of a godly rest area in your outline. One of the verses that God has kind of been um, knocking on the side of my head with is Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. It's talking about Jesus, and the Bible says this, Yet the news about Him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear Him and to be healed of their sicknesses, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I've always kind of wondered about that. Like, what's the deal, right? Jesus has unlimited power, and yet every once in a while, when he gets overwhelmed by the crowds and overwhelmed by the stuff that's happening, he just kind of goes off on his own. I mean, I'm kind of thinking, come on, Jesus, suck it up. Get back in the game. Get to work. I mean, you're not here for that long. I mean, let's go. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be accomplished. Come on, get back on the treadmill and start meeting people's needs. There's a whole crowd following you. Come on, Jesus, get back in the game. At least that's what my work ethic kind of does, right? I've always wondered about the verses that implied that Jesus, in his humanity, got tired and was running on empty. Now, make no mistake, okay, just so we're completely clear. As the God of the universe, Jesus had unlimited power available to him, but in embracing his humanity fully, He saddled his own perfection with the same kinds of things that we face. Weariness, stress, grief, loneliness, and limits. He faced them too. This is what happens when people hear that Jesus is out healing and touching people. They flock to Him. And all through Scripture, we see this omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God pulling away. And resting in his Father's presence. Okay, if you don't need to do it, and you do it anyway, do you think possibly he's trying to send the rest of us a message? You think? God's been trying to send me a message for a while. So about a year ago, I began to study pastoral burnout. It's always intrigued me. It's intrigued me because I've watched many of my friends in ministry break under the pressure of it and then just walk away. One day, they just stop and they're gone. Some of my closest friends, I've watched them implode morally, socially, financially, emotionally. I started watching very, very closely. I wanted to learn about it because I thought there has to be a way to not end up in that statistical column. There's got to be a way to stay away from that type of stuff. And the more I read and learned, the more I became aware that I was running on empty. To use a phrase I heard from Pastor Bill Hybels, 
the rate at which I was doing God's work was destroying God's work in me. Part of my little journey, someone gave me a book called Leading on Empty by Pastor Wayne Cordero. I love Pastor Wayne because he's actually been honest enough to talk about his journey. He had both a physical and emotional breakdown. He, he leads a huge church in the Hawaiian Islands. Some of the phrases that grabbed me out of his book were phrases like this. We don't forget that we're Christians, we just forget that we're human. He said, I knew I was in trouble when people I cared about became problems to avoid and when it was easier to imitate than to innovate. He talked about the exhaustion of being constantly creative and how preaching is kind of like giving birth on the weekend and then finding out Monday morning you're pregnant again. <laughs> and six days later, guess what's starting, right? I know I'm going to get some letters from some ladies. I know, I know, I know. Okay. He talked about what happened when he found himself managing more than leading and dropping more plates than he was spinning. And he quoted Charles Spurgeon, who's my favorite preacher, who said this, The ministry is a matter which wears the brain and strains the heart and drains the life out of a man if he attends to it like he should. I started seeing some little things. And my mama didn't bring up no dummy. So I started thinking, God, what in the world are you trying to tell me? I don't know if you know this or not, but Christ the King actually allows me to see a counselor on a regular basis. Okay, just so you know, if you're kind of freaked out by the fact that the pastor of CTK needs a therapist, you're probably in the wrong church. Because around here we say, it's okay to not be okay. And they're just trying to make sure that I'm okay, all right? So I go and see a shrink. You got a problem with that? I'll meet you in the commons. We can talk about it, okay? Right? But I'm up seeing Dr. Hannah Walt, and he starts using words that I was not very familiar with. He used the word emotional exhaustion, and I was the only other person in the room. <laughs> he used a phrase I'd never heard before, compassion fatigue. I thought, what in the world is that? And I realized God was trying to get my attention. Now, I want you to remember something. The reason I was studying this is because I didn't want to be a statistic. I like my job. I love this church. I'd like to be able to do this for a really, 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 really long time. That's what I'm hoping for, okay? But I also understand I'm running into all these people who are way, they got way bigger spiritual guns than I have, and they're dropping like flies. I'm like, what in the world? Started searching the Scriptures for other people who felt like they were running on empty, and I found them all through Scripture. David, Elijah, Naaman, the Apostle Paul. I mean, that's just a couple of them. I searched, and as I'm searching, God's confronting me about my obedience, my faith, and my trust. Anybody recognize those three words? Ferndale, huh? So can I just share a little bit of my personal journey over the last couple of months or so? When it comes to obedience, Jesus confronted me with Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 and 30. It says this, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. 
I just latched onto that little phrase, learn from me. And I thought of all the times the savior of the universe stopped and rested and unplugged. And I realized in my life, I was guilty of doing exactly the opposite. Instead of pulling to the side and resting, I, I just, well, I'm just going to blow right through it, right? I'm playing chicken with the fuel gauge. Let's see how many more miles we can crank out. I mean, I'm running on fumes. My friends who know me better than anybody are walking up to me going, dude, you look really tired. And you know what I do? I gave them the Christian lie that I bust you for all of the time. I said, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Rest is for wusses. I mean, we need to suck it up. Time's flying. People are dying. I mean, we'll take a nap when we get to heaven. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. The very stuff I call you on, I find myself saying, and some people that love me started busting me for it, right? Jesus confronted me about my obedience. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Here's the second one. When it came to my faith, John 10.10 says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I focus in on that little word full there, and I realize, this is, I'm not feeling full. I'm not feeling full. I'm feeling empty. Scripture says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and my reality is I wasn't full. It felt like there was a hole in the bottom of my tank, and my passion and my faith were just kind of slowly dripping out the bottom. Anybody else been there? Am I the only one, you know? Then he confronted me on my trust. I've had a great couple of months, just in case you know, Right? I love this stuff. He confronted me with Matthew 6.18. It says this, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. As a pastor, I have always wanted to find my name in that verse. We just slide it in there somewhere, right? Surely God needs me to accomplish this mission. I mean, surely I'm important in the grand scheme of things. Surely God needs my help. I mean, I can help. I'm willing. I'm available. I'm not lazy. I work hard. I'm going to burn out for Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. You know, sometimes you get so busy rowing the boat, you can't see where you're going or what you're becoming. God wasn't done yet. I mean, that was three shots. He had one more left for me, and it came under the banner of rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this, come to me, all. I'm not the only one on the hook here, people, okay? Come to me, all. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you an extremely long list of things that I want you to accomplish before you die. Is that what your Bible says? And I will give you 28 more things that you need to get done by Monday morning, because if you don't, you just don't love God enough. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You may have noticed something that I didn't want to notice. That verse is a command. I thought it was a polite suggestion, right? Just, if you feel like it, come to me. It's not. And I had to make a decision about whether or not I was going to ignore that command so I had to make a decision. About a year ago, I started coming up with a plan. Because as a pastor, 
And as a follower of Jesus, I don't like being disobedient. I don't like not trusting God. I don't like lacking faith. I don't like it when I find that I'm sinning because I refuse to rest. So I thought, just exactly what kind of example am I being if I continue to just run on empty? I mean, if I wanted to, I could just ignore all the signs, right? Ignore the signs and the alarms. Just pretend that, that, that it's not that big of a deal. We're going to find some other way to get some energy and some passion. I mean, you could do that. Or you can choose to be obedient to God's call to rest. To take your hands off of the schedule that you created, so we know. To believe in your heart that maybe God could run the universe and His church just fine without you. And that you need to simply obey and have faith and trust and rest easy. I decided I better practice what I preach. So, with the blessing of the council and the encouragement of the staff and my loving, care-filled friends, uh, I'm going to practice what I preach by doing this. I'm actually going to take a little break. For the record... I'm not taking a break because I'm leaving. I'm not taking a break because I'm in trouble. I'm taking a break because I don't want to be in trouble. Are we completely clear with that, okay? Nothing hiding in the background. Nobody's keeping a secret. I'm going to take a break. Because Jesus told me to. So if you have an issue with it, you can call him. Okay? I'm going to take a break so that when I get back later on this summer, I can do my little part in our mission to reach every single person in Whatcom County with the incredible news that Jesus saves. Okay? All right, here's the place I'm going to. I'm actually going to turn off my cell phone. I'm going to turn it off. I'm turning off my email. Like literally, so anything that gets sent, bing, it's going to get bounced right back. I'm already twitching because of that thought. I mean, oh, I'm going off the grid. And it scares me to death. But I'm doing it out of obedience because I believe God loves me too. That He wants me to have faith in His plan to trust Him and to rest easy. That's my journey. You're on your journey. And I hope and pray, whether it's obedience, faith, trust, or rest, whatever it is for you, that you'll be obedient too and do whatever you have to do to be obedient to God. Because isn't that what this is all about? Isn't it about being obedient to God and doing what God has told us to do? Yes, right? Isn't that what it's all about? You know, even if you read the word Psalms, I thought I'd go and hide in the book of Psalms, right? Because there can't be too much in there about rest. <laughs> Don't go to Psalms, okay? If this is what you're talking about. Because you're going to find a little word in there. 
It's actually a musical term. The word is selah. And do you know what it means? Rest. Stop. Breathe. Think about everything you just heard. Internalize it. Let it make the 18-inch drop from your brain into your heart. So, that was my turn. Now it's your turn. Bellingham Ferndale, pull out your outline, because at the bottom of the outline, at the very end, are a series of questions, okay? In a moment, Scott is going to come, and he's going to sing a song called Selah. And while he's singing, we're going to be working, because I put those statements in there for a reason. Now, if you want to, you could just ignore and keep right on going on your merry little life, or maybe you could stop for just a second and realize that God actually wants you to rest, that you can rest easy with Him, that you can trust Him, that there's no better place to put your faith in. So while Scott's going to sing, you're going to work. And my prayer is that you'll actually fill in each one of those statements with what God is asking you to do when it comes to obedience, faith, trust, and rest. Let's go to work. Scott, if you would please. To the blood that was shed To the life that was led To the price that was paid I am a slave At the foot of the cross For the light to the lost For the ultimate strife I give my life to you I give my life to you Say love God is good Selah, he promised he would take away the sins of the world, and he did. Selah, For the blessings you give For the lessons I live For each breath that I take I sing you praise Today I sing you praise Today 
hard work, isn't it? It's good work. It's the best work of all when we obey, trust, have faith, and rest easy. Would you pray with me tonight as we close? May God bless you with discomfort and easy answers, hard hearts and half-truths, superficial relationships. May He bless you so that you may live deep within your heart where God's Spirit dwells. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and death so you may reach out your hand to comfort them, turn their pain into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world, so that you can courageously try what you don't think you can do, but know that in Jesus you have the strength to do. May God bless you so that you remember we are called to continue God's redemptive work of love and healing in and through God's name, in God's spirit, continually creating and breathing new life and grace into everything and everyone that we touch. May you obey Christ the King. May you have faith. May you trust. May you rest easy. 
in Jesus. Matchless, wonderful, and life-giving name we pray. Amen. And amen.